Welcome to the Starlight Pet Talk podcast, where we'll talk about and explore ways to help pet parents and future pet parents learn everything they need to know to have a happy and healthy relationship with their pet. So sit up and stay for Starlight Pet Talk, rescue, adoption, and pet parenting done right. If you're a fan of Starlight Pet Talk, you'll love our new line of merchandise. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and more, all featuring your favorite podcast logos and designs. Plus, we're offering a limited number of Starlight Outreach and Rescue items where a portion of the proceeds go directly to Animal Rescue. Our merchandise is the perfect way to show your support for your favorite pet podcast and Animal Rescue at the same time. So what are you waiting for? Just visit our website at www.starlightpettalk.com to order your merchandise today. Welcome to Starlight Pet Talk. I'm your host, Amy Castro. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts for caring for your favorite cat. And even maybe you're not so favorite cat if you have one of those. As an experienced cat person, you know, I agree with every single one of the do's and don'ts our guests today um, brought up as, as things that we should cover. However, I think that there probably are some things that will either be maybe a little controversial or even some things that new cat parents maybe hadn't heard about. And so we're going to address them all. My guest today is a guy that I discovered on TikTok. He's the healthy cat guy, and he is a social media personality based in Chicago, and he focuses on cats, cat health, cat wellness, and cat behavior, which is obviously near and dear to our heart at Starlight Outreach and Rescue since I would say fully 85% of the animals that we rescue are cats. Um, and sometimes, if we're lucky, we get to see a little bit inside his life about what's going on with his two cats, Santo and Emo. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. We're pretty excited for this. Yeah, well, and I've, I've been watching your videos for a while now, and I just, I love the fact that they are common sense. It's not, you know, it's not some person with a PhD in cat biology that is giving this information. It's a real cat dad giving real advice to real cat parents. And it's it's easy to understand. Um, I think it's something that's really beneficial for the people that watch the videos. So I'm curious, how did you get started? Like what made you think to become the healthy cat guy and start doing these, uh, these videos that are so popular? Yeah, yeah, thanks for checking out my videos on TikTok. Uh, so, you know, I, I've always known a lot about cats. I, I know that I've learned a lot about cats over the past decade, having a couple of cats myself, and I've definitely made some mistakes in the past with my own cats that I think, you know, if I talk about it on TikTok, I can really help people not make the same mistakes that I've made. I've seen other people make mistakes that, you know, it would be helpful if other people don't have to go through that. So I did go ahead and create this account, Healthy Cat Guy, because that's, you know, that's what I wanted to be known as. That's what I want to focus on. I think there's a lot of things that really, like you said, are common sense that also apply to humans, but people don't necessarily think about how it affects cats and how it's really the same for cats. You know, some of the things uh, that we'll talk about today in terms of like, you know, exercise and diet, you know, a high quality diet for humans, yeah. uh, exercising is good for humans. And these things are good for cats too. But, you know, obviously sometimes people don't think about the same things that are good for humans are really good for cats as well. So that's part of what I want to highlight on TikTok. Yeah, that's so true. That's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast is, you know, one of our, uh, five elements of our mission for Starlight Outreach and Rescue is education. You know, we want to keep 
cats and dogs in their homes. And sometimes it's just simple things that you thought, gosh, if somebody had just Googled that, they would have figured that out. It's not like the information is hidden per se. I mean, some of it's not as readily available, but I think people, especially with cats, they just don't think about it. They think about cats oftentimes as just being that easy pet that you just let in your house and it does its thing. And as long as you make sure it's got food and water, that's all it needs. And that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> that's a really good point. You know, I can't really say why people think that sometimes, but you know, cats' personalities, when you compare them to like dogs, cats are a little bit less demanding when it comes to something that's wrong. Uh, if cats are, and especially like if cats are in pain, uh, they'll really, really try to hide that uh, from you. So I think that because cats don't complain as much, you know, some people oftentimes think, oh, he's fine. The cat's fine. Don't worry about it. He, he vomited two days in a row, but yeah, I'm sure he, it'll be okay. Um, whereas, you know, if, you're, if your kid vomited two days in a row, you know, we're, we're calling the doctor. We're going to the pediatrician. We've got to figure out what's wrong, you know. Now, obviously, right. cats are not the same as children, human children, uh, but you know, the warning signs of something being wrong may not necessarily be that different, you know, but we treat them differently as if it's as if it's not the same, but it kind of is. So I think, you know, sometimes people think that cats are just fine the way they are, but obviously more can be done sometimes. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some of those things that we definitely have control over as humans, because these are things that the, that cats can't do for themselves. So the number one thing, and I don't know that you necessarily put these in order per se, but I think this is a huge one that I'm so shocked that people don't already know. You talk about cleaning the litter box every day, that that's a that's a big do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that happening every day is a really, really important thing for cats for a number of different reasons. Uh, you know, cats unfortunately can get used to it being not cleaned every day, but it's really not a good thing because it's not healthy for them to make contact with uh, things that are in the litter box. You know, if they make contact with that, that bacteria can actually climb up their urethra and, you know, cause some pretty nasty UTIs. Uh, it also just makes cats really, really upset. You know, cats are very, uh, very fastidious about cleanliness and just imagine it for yourself. You know, just imagine how you would like it if you had to go to uh, a toilet that already had things in it and you had to use that. Um, <laughs> exactly. But you had to use it for days. You had to use it for days. That'd be, that'd, be pretty, that'd be pretty tough to deal with, I think, for a lot of people. And for some cats, that's what they're literally dealing with. You know, dirty toilet, dirty litter box. It can make them sick. And also, remember that you know, if you're not paying much attention to the litter box, there's another couple of things that can happen. Way too much bacteria proliferates the litter box. You want to keep that clean, not just not just scoop it, but actually clean it out, at least wipe it down every week or so. That way the bacteria is not going too crazy. Cats scratch the inside of plastic litter boxes, and sometimes that bacteria can stuck in those scratches, and that bacteria can multiply, so that may not be a very safe thing. Also, the other thing is that, you know, if you're not paying very much close attention to the litter box, that's how you keep an eye on, you know, what's coming out of them. And if anything changes, especially with their number twos, you know, if they have diarrhea or something like that, that's something that you would want to know about. But if you're ignoring the litter box, you know, right. and your cat has a health condition that is obvious through what's coming in, into the litter box, you might miss that. 
So, you know, it's definitely important for a lot of reasons, a whole lot of reasons to really uh, scoop the litter every day and clean it at least somewhat regularly. Yeah, that's it's such a such a good point. I think people sometimes look at the the box of litter. I, and I had a lady tell me this one time when she was having litter box issues. I asked her how often does she scoop the litter box, and she said scoop <laughs> because according to the box, it said you know fill it with three inches and empty it once a week, and that's kind of the way that the way that she took it. Um, you know, if if for no other reason, the other thing I add to people to give them a little more encouragement on this litter box scooping is think about all the places that cat walks after it's been walking in that dirty litter box, uh, including your pillow. Yeah. <laughs> so keep it keep it clean. Yeah, keep it clean. Absolutely. Your second one is is one that we preach about uh, obviously a lot in rescue is you know spay and neuter and also consider microchipping. Now, one of the things that we do is every every person that adopts from us gets the spay and neuter included in the adoption fee and the microchip, which is oh, so important. Why is that something that you think, you know, from, from your perspective is, is something that people need to be told? Like, don't people know this already? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really important. So just in terms of the overpopulation of cats, you know, there are tons of cats that are outdoors. You know, they basically don't have a home. Uh, when they get outside, they mingle, they reproduce. We'd see even more cats being out there. Uh, so that's obviously an issue. I actually got my cats, Santo and Emo, uh, through a neighbor because uh, my, my former neighbor had a number of different cats. Um, fortunately, he, you know, he, him and his wife really took care of the cats in the neighborhood. They were outdoor cats. And you know, he, he took a lot of them in, into his home and took care of them, which is really great. What would have been even better than that is to trap, neuter, release. That would be even better. Uh, reason why I say that is because, you know, for him and his wife, it was an endless cycle of, oh, well, we got to take care of this cat. This cat just showed up on the on the back patio of the apartment building. We got to help this cat. Uh, so they, they would take it in. But of course, you know, it was an outdoor cat. So they would let it back outside every once in a while. And the cats would come back pregnant. And voila, we've got six more cats. In the building, uh, I went ahead right. and adopted uh, two of the cats uh, from him from that particular litter. But you know, cats get out there, and it's just an endless cycle if they're not spayed or neutered. Also, microchipping is really important too, mainly because what if your cat gets outside? It's it's not impossible for an indoor cat to get outside. I don't care how secure your house is. Right. You know, e even just going in and out, your cat can slip out. A screen could fail. A lot of these window screens are not as durable as people think they are. And cats fall out of window screens. It's right. relatively common. Uh, so microchipping can drastically, drastically increase the odds of being reunited with your cat if your cat ever, you know, gets lost somehow. So it's, it's really important. Uh, as far it's been a long time. My cats are turning 10 years old. But uh, my understanding is that cats are usually microchipped and spayed and neutered. I'm pretty sure you can do that at the same time. Uh, so I, th I think that's a really great thing to do. Yeah, that's basically what we'll do. I mean, sometimes we even will, um, you know, if it's going to be a while, like, like maybe we're adopting out a 12-week-old kitten, let's just say for argument's sake, but we wouldn't necessarily spay that kitten that young, so maybe it's not going to get spayed until it's four and a half months. You know, that's that's a window of opportunity where the things that you mentioned could happen, and so we will microchip them. I think for the comfort of the animal, oftentimes people wait until the spay and neuter, but I have probably microchipped, 
I don't know, over a hundred cats and kittens. And very rarely does anybody, if you're fast, <laughs> do they even have a reaction like, hey, what just happened hmm. to me? You know, you distract them in the right, right way. You do it quickly. And it's not really a, a big deal, but it can be a huge deal if they, God forbid, get out the window. And I've had that happen with my own indoor cats. The situation you mentioned with the screen, I forgot there was no screen in the darn window. And I opened the window four or five inches. And next thing I know, everybody's gone. Wow. That's got to be scary. Cool. It was scary. Luckily, they all were so terrified because they'd never been outside. They didn't go very far. But uh, anyway, hmm. so uh, the other do that I think you that you have on your list that I think is really important is playtime with your cat. I, we get so many complaints from people about bad behavior, bad. <laughs> and we've had some other cat experts on this show bef before who talk about, you know, cat behavior is not bad behavior. It's just cat behavior, but it's maybe unwanted behavior. And I think that exercise is a key that most people are missing with their cats. So tell us, what are we talking about here as far as playtime? Yeah, exactly. Cats? Super important. And again, so like, you know, like you were saying with cats and, you know, and how they behave, we have to remember that they have certain instincts and these instincts drive them uh, sometimes to want to scratch things and uh, catch things. That's just what they like to do. Uh, so when you think about the evolution of cats from uh, thousands of years ago, you know, when you see a cat, any cat at all, that cat is descended from thousands or hundreds of thousands of generations of cats that were able to survive by catching things in the wild and having very good reflexes and being able to uh, catch their prey, eliminate the prey and eat it. You know, that's what they're driven to do. And if they don't really have an outlet to do that, you know, they're going to scratch up your furniture. They're going to attack your ankles. And all they need is an outlet to release that energy. So, you know, feather toys. It really, honestly, when you think about it, it almost doesn't even matter what kind of toys you've got. Um, just engage in playtime with your cat. Uh, that way they're not bored. That way your cats aren't fighting with each other because they don't have any other outlet. Um, and also, playing in playtime with your cat is going to massively improve your relationship with your cat also it gives them something to be excited about makes them happy um it feeds their natural instincts so it's a really really important thing you know just like you, you play with your dog you play with your child uh, it's important to play with your cat too super important yeah well that is a really good point because people people don't hesitate whatsoever to throw a ball throw a frisbee uh, play chase, whatever they do with their dogs, but you tell them to play with their cat and they're like, huh? You know, they, <laughs> and you're so right, especially when you have multiples. I mean, you mentioned so many great benefits, but I know for us, it, you know, when people bring a new cat into the house, you know, they've got an existing cat, they want to adopt a kitten from us or a young cat from us. That cat's going to have a lot of energy and it's going to want to play. And if your cat is older and maybe doesn't want to play as much, it's, it's going to be a problem if you don't work that energy out. It's also a great opportunity to get the cats kind of working together by playing with that feather toy. We've had many uh, cats that have been a little bit standoffish with other cats when we've had them in foster. And you get that. Uh, our favorite is the bird. We really love the bird. So you get that bird going and that fluttering sound that it makes. And I'm even my elderly cat used to come out of the woodwork and be like, hey, let's let's play with that. So it, you're right. It is so ingrained in their instincts uh, for, you know, thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's move on. I'm going to save that. You have one other little thought there. I want to save that to the end. But let's move on to the to the don'ts, because I think these are equally as important. 
And I know that one of the questions that we always ask people on our applications is how are they going to discipline their pet or how are they going to redirect behavior? And you had made a comment, you know, that, that, uh, you know, it's, it's really important not to hit or spank your cat. I think that's probably generally accepted that you shouldn't do that, but yet people still do it. Why is it particularly important with cats? Yeah. So with cats, they just don't know what's going on, you know? So when you hit a cat, you know, especially, let's say, for example, you, you leave for your 9 a.m. job, you leave at 8 a.m., uh, you get off work at five, and then you get back home at six, and then you discover that, something just got scratched up real bad. Like, and it was something really expensive. Like it was the most expensive piece of furniture you've ever bought. And uh, it's just really nice. And now you're very mad. Okay. So, and now you want to confront your cat and teach them, hey, you don't do this to my nice furniture. So, you know, let's say an individual actually did struck their cat. So what would the cat think? The cat would think, wow, I need to avoid this person. This person is scaring me. They're hurting me. I'm going to stay away from this guy. The reason why they don't connect the dots between, you know, what they did and why they're being hit, that doesn't make any sense to them. That happened hours ago, and mm -hmm. they, don't see, they don't see the cause and effect of I'm being hit because I scratched up the couch. So you can't really do that with cats. It's just not effective. What you can do is offer positive reinforcement when they do something that you do want them to do. Um, and there's other actions that you can take that prevent actions. But for example, uh, when you get them a scratching post and they scratch that instead of your couch, you know, offer pets, you know, <laughs> say very nice things like good cat, good case, stuff like that. Um, treats, positive reinforcement will get the actions uh, that you want your cat to take to actually become a reality. Um, also, another reason why you don't want to spank a cat is because you have to realize how small of an animal a cat is and how big you are compared to a cat. You know, hitting a cat can actually cause physical injury to a cat, bruising, bleeding. We're way stronger than cats. You know, so if you hit a cat, that's just, I mean, that's basically just animal abuse anyway. And it's not even effective in right. regards to teaching a cat anything. So really, there's just no reason to to ever do that. I think, I think hitting in general is just, uh, um, whether it's, and I, I definitely agree with the time span in between, but I think even if you catch an animal doing something and you were to strike them in some way, you know, it, like you said, all it's going to do is drive them away from you. It's like if, you know, if you went over to a cat who's scratching on the back of your sofa and you gave them a swat, they're going to run away. They're not going to stand there and be like, okay. So, th you know, they're, you do that enough, they're going to associate you, your hand and everything else with, with fear. And now you're going to have a runaway cat, which is why we will, you know, in, in rescue, a lot of times when people talk about, I want to get a, you know, a kitten for my three-year-old to grow up with. And it's like, okay, I don't know that being manhandled by a three-year-old is the best thing to make a, a good friendly cat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's, because obviously a three-year-old doesn't know how to be gentle. They they can learn, obviously, and sometimes when they're being supervised by parents, but unless you're going to supervise that all the time, it's probably not the best idea until the child gets older and realizes, you know, whether it's hitting the cat or whether it's, you know, pulling the cat's tail or whatever else it might be that the animal is not going to yeah, appreciate. Exactly. And they have a mind of their own. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your second don't was don't neglect veterinary care. 
And I know that's somewhat controversial now because not not that not neglecting veterinary care, but you know how much vet- veterinary care is needed. Do I need to go every year? Do I need vaccines every year? Um, but I think this idea of you know consistency is important. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, there's so much that can change with the cat's health, uh, and it can change very quickly. It's really good to have a leg up on stuff like that, and a veterinarian can really help you. Um, you know, keep track of everything within your, with, in regards to your cat's health, you know, teeth, um, kidneys, these things can pop up. And if you don't have a veterinarian to help you with that, how would you ever know? You know, um, for example, let's look at the causes of vomiting. You know, when a cat vomits, it could be mm-hmm. because they're eating too fast, which is not, you know, that serious of an issue. Or... It could be because they have kidney disease. But how are you supposed to know? You know, maybe they're eating too fast and have kidney disease. But, you know, you really need a professional opinion yeah. to <laughs> figure out something like that. So I would not, like, personally, I take my cat to the vet once a year. I take them every uh, July. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking about doing that even more often now because my cats are uh, they're going to be 10 years old this June. And, you know, especially as cats get older, uh, they're more likely to run into health problems as they get older. So, you know, I think it's just a hugely important thing. Um, Just like, you know, it's kind of like how we were talking about before with, oh, the cat's fine. They're good. You know, you would take your you take yourself to the doctor every year. So uh, it obviously makes a lot of sense to take your cat every year. And really, another thing I want to point out about that is when you think about the lifespan of the cat, it's much, much shorter. It's much shorter than humans. Right. So when you're taking your cat every year, uh, in comparison, that's really a much longer gap of time for a cat than it is for a human. That's like that's like several years for a cat, really, when you think about it. That's a good yeah. point. So, I mean, it's just it's really important to take your cat as often as you can because you never know how quickly something can change. Yeah, I mean, think about how quickly they grow. For, you know, it's a it's kitten season here and it's amazing to me. I've got, you know, little baby kittens whose eyes were closed and they had umbilical cords attached. It seems like just the other day and three weeks later, they're, you know, walking around and starting to eat canned food. And so everything, everything in their body and in their lives is accelerated. I never even really thought about it like that. And so, you know, the aging process, the disease process, all of that can be accelerated as well. Plus add to the fact what you said before, which is so, you know, so true is that cats will hide things, um, you know, and, and and animals in general tend to hide things because you don't want to show weakness. You're going to get culled from the herd, but cats are particularly good at hiding behaviors. And the way that you see it, like you said, is going to be in the litter box or things like throwing up. And so, you know, a hairball is not just a hairball. And especially if it's not a hairball, you know, if it's food that's coming up or, um, you know, nothing is coming up, but the cat's still acting like it's throwing up. I mean, there's something, going on there that is worth investigating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely agree. And like oftentimes when a cat finally does show you something's wrong, you know, unfortunately it may be too late by then, um, by the time there's yeah. actual clinical signs that you can actually visibly see. So yeah, it's always great to have an early indication if possible. Yeah. And, and, and I think I, I've got a prime example of that. So I have a, a kitten that we got in as a, you know, well, we were still bottle feeding her. That's how young she was. And she and her siblings all have these terrible eye 
injuries or, or, you know, infections and things like that. Long and the short of it is she ended up having to have both of her eyes removed. So I've always been so, and I've kept her, she's my baby. And I've always been so focused on her eyesight and how she gets around and things like that, but never really thought about other elements of her behavior until um, I noticed she got up on the kitchen counter and peed there happened to be a, a grocery bag, a plastic grocery bag up there. And she got up there and I'm watching what she's doing. And she settles herself in there. I'm like, she's going to pee in that, in that grocery bag. Well, sure enough, she did. And when I got up, the urine was in the bag and it had blood oh. in it. And she, I had no, no clue whatsoever. And, you know, unfortunately for us in a multi-cat household, um, you know, it can be even trickier if we find something in the litter box that it's like, okay, who did it? Uh, who's got the issue? But turns out she had... And I want to say she was under a year old, which is really young, but she already had a bladder wow. stone and had to have a bladder, had to have it surgically removed. And so, you know, that's something that probably had been going on for a while. I just wasn't seeing the signs. And of course, now I watch her like a hawk and I've changed her diet. But yeah, things can definitely sneak up on you. And the next thing you know, you're, you've got an expensive surgical situation and, you know, for your, for your pet. Which actually leads me to my next don't, because that's one of the changes that I've made, is you said, don't feed only a dry food. You know, if you can do something else, do something else. Why is that so yeah, important? Yeah, so this is super, really important and relatively controversial, too, I will admit. Uh, so, in my opinion, there's a number of issues with dry food. The number one issue with it that I have is that it's dehydrating. It's dry. It's dry food, obviously. Uh, it's got... 10% or less of moisture in comparison to wet food, which is like 70% moisture. So uh, when we think about what cats normally eat, what is their, you know, what is their biological uh, requirement for nutrition? You know, they eat a diet high in protein and also, also high in moisture. You know, most of the moisture, they're evolved right. to get moisture from their food. Okay, that's super important to understand. They're evolved to get moisture from the food that they are eating and they do not have a high thirst drive, even if they haven't, even if they are dehydrated, they still don't have much of a high thirst drive. People will sometimes say, well, I feed my cat dry food and I see them drinking water all the time. They're not dehydrated. Yeah. They've got plenty of water. Yeah, They're exactly. Fine. Yeah. It's a very, very common, common response. Uh, the problem with that is that it's got so a couple of problems with that. So cats have tongues that are inefficient at drinking water. Their tongues are actually like literally have spikes on them and their tongues don't curl up in the same way that dogs do. And their tongues are not right. efficient at delivering water to the inside of their body. That's just anatomically the way their, their mouth and their tongue is designed. Um, and second of all, these are desert creatures that's you know that's where they're that, where they originate from there's not much water in these environments uh so that's why they're evolved to actually get the water from their food instead of actually drinking it now when you give cats dry food they will drink more water than cats that eat wet food absolutely and people think that when they see that that's enough but cats cannot taste the water that they're missing out on they cannot supplement that just by drinking water because they don't have enough drive to actually drink it. And there, there was a mm -hmm. study that was done. Uh, I, I quoted this from a vet one time that said that cats that eat wet food 
consume twice as much water as cats that eat dry food. When you add up the moisture that they get from drinking water and eating food, wet food cats consume twice as much water, despite all of the water that you see dry food cats drinking. So that's my number one issue with it. But there's also other things. It has a lot of corn, way too many carbohydrates. Um, You know, some dry foods are better than others. But really, uh, you know, a lot of vets have said that the worst wet food is better than the best dry food. And I think that's probably true. Um, Now, there are some important things to know, obviously. You know, say, for example, you live somewhere and there's like two different colonies of outdoor cats that you're helping to feed. uh, And there's like 20 cats, you know, it may make more sense to just feed them dry food. It's obviously more economical. It may be difficult to feed a bunch of cats uh, wet food. I totally understand that, you know, wet food is clearly more expensive. And those cats will have access to other, you know, they're going to catch a mouse. They're going to catch a lizard, whatever. And, you know, and those creatures are probably, I mean, don't get me to lying about mouse anatomy, but I'm guessing, you know, 70% water in an, you know, in an animal's body. That's a lot of, a lot of moisture in there. that they're they're getting to make up, which your inside cat's not going to have access yeah, to. Absolutely, and you know, I mean, all cats should have a water fountain. It's really really important. No matter what you're feeding your cat, uh, they should have a water fountain. Um, but it's like you know, they're never going to be able to fully supplement the water that they're missing out on by having just a water fountain. So um, I, I always encourage people, you know, if you're able to incorporate at least a little bit of wet food or a properly prepared raw food diet into their, uh, into their diet, that would be a hugely massively beneficial thing. Cause you know, the leading cause of death in cats in the United States, uh, I believe is kidney disease, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, dry food is a dry food is a major contributing factor. It's a contributor to that for sure. And I apologize. I did skip over the water fountain. So you mentioned it. Why? Now, I, I mean, I can I can attest to the fact that when I switched from just having a bowl of water to the water fountain, everybody thought it was the most fascinating thing. But why do cats like that? So yeah. Much? So think about uh, you know where cats evolved from. When whenever they did find water in the wild, it's usually going to be you know a river or a stream, something with moving water. And, you know, cats are attracted to moving mm-hmm. things. That's kind of how their eyes work. So, um, you know, cats really strongly prefer moving water rather than water that's just sitting still. Also, cats, I, no, I'm not 100% sure about this, but cats may be a little bit suspicious of sitting water. They're, they instinctively know that, you know, if there's an animal nearby that has passed away and that animal is decomposing, that decomposition could reach water if that water is not moving and, and, you know, actively flowing. So their instinct may be a little bit suspicious of still water. But um, I've had some, definitely some good success with um, giving my cats water fountains. They definitely, they really, really like it. I've had a few over the years. I've got, I've got a new one now that's really nice and quiet. I had one in the past that was really loud, but I like, I like this new one I've got. It's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, and there and there are so many different kinds of fountains that are available now. The one thing that I will say just from my personal experience with the fountains that we have 
um, and I'm going to tell tales on myself, is that if you're not going to stay on top of the fountain and keep it clean, just, just because it has a filter inside doesn't mean that it's going to stay clean forever, especially if you've got multiple cats, that you're probably better off with a bowl of water that you clean and change every day than a fountain that you're going to let get disgusting. Because um, like I said, I will, mine, I have to keep a, like an eye like a hawk on it because if I get complacent and I think, ah, I haven't changed that in a while. I'll open it up and it's it's not something I want my cats drinking. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely need to keep mm-hmm. it clean. Yeah, that water, like flowing water that can cause mold. But there's also something called uh, biofilm. I'm not an expert on it, but it's basically like residual saliva and water mixed together. It's kind of gnarly. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want that circulating for too long of a time. So definitely want to keep an eye on that for sure. So our, our last couple of don'ts here that I think uh, especially one is very near and dear to my heart, but don't let your cats roam outside unsupervised. Now, I live in the country, so I will say that uh, although my personal pet cats live indoors and they stay exclusively indoors, we do have a couple of barn cats that were basically feral cats that came from animal shelters. They can't be picked up, or you can try picking them up, but I'm not <laughs> <right>. going <laughs> to. Uh, you know, over the years, they've gotten to the point where they'll let me touch them, but that's about the extent of the handling that they'll that they'll accept. But in general, better for cats to be indoors. Why is that? There's so many dangers for cats outdoors, and cats are also a danger to other animals too. So, uh, cats can be you know, cats are prey, and they can be preyed upon. So, uh, cats can get hurt from people. Cats can get hurt. From cars, cats can get hurt from stray dogs. Uh, kittens can even be picked off by eagles and hawks. There's so many, there's so, Definitely. yeah, there's so many uh, threats to cats out there. I would be worried to death if my cat was outside. Um, if you live in an urban area, like I, you know, I'm in Chicago, um, I, you know, it's funny, I really don't see very many outdoor cats where I live, but, um, you know, a cat can get hit by a car, um, anything, anything. So also cats are, they are threats themselves to birds. Uh, they do, they do kill a lot of birds. I saw this study. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot who re- released the study, but it was uh, from 2013. And they estimated that the median amount of birds that are killed by cats every year is about 2.4 billion. And that's just in the United States, wow. according to this study. Um, and that, that may seem like, how is that possible? Like, there's no way cats are killing over 2 billion birds. But when you think about the fact that there's tens of millions of outdoor cats in the U.S., and, you know, let, let's just say that they catch two birds a day, that's, yeah, then we're at billions of birds a year, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people may say, hey, well, cats are... You know, they're balancing the ecosystem, or they're supposed to do that. Well, that is their instinct, and yeah, they are supposed to do that. But we are facing an extinction crisis for a number of different reasons. And, you know, having cats outdoors is not going to help that at all. So, you know, better for the environment, for cats to be inside. It's better for cats for them to be inside. It's a lot safer for them. Um, you know, don't have to worry about them getting a disease or, you know, getting hurt by another animal or hurt in any other way. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of reasons to keep cats indoors for sure. 
Yeah. And for those, you know, I think for those people who, um, cause we get pushed back on that in, in our rescue, cause we do require cats to be indoors for those reasons, uh, all of those reasons that you already stated, you know, but there will still be people that will push back like, Oh, don't they need fresh air? Don't they need access to grass? And it's like, you know, you can, you can get around that by, you know, number one, starting to teach them to walk on a leash, which everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say that, but I, we have had kittens that we have trained to walk on a leash. I've got fr a friend who has a cat that walks on a leash every single day. So it can be done. Or, you know, if you have the, the property and the space to be able to do it, you can build a catio, you know, and that way your cat's protected. And so are the birds and the other critters that it might take out, but it can still get that fresh air or access to grass or whatever you want to do. So there's definitely ways to give them that if you feel that they really need that. I personally don't have the space for a catio, but I've always been so, Understood. Yeah, I've yeah. always been so <laughs> fascinated by catios. Um, I like, I don't, I, I can't even have a catio, but for some reason, every few months, I find myself <laughs> looking at them online as if I'm going to buy one. But yeah. They've got some really, people are really creative in what they've come up with and some of the ones I've uh, I've seen. They've got tubes and everything. Like It's, it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our last don't, and, and I'm, I think people are sometimes, when or when I was surprised when I first started hearing about some of them, about all the things that are toxic to cats that people don't realize are sitting right in their environment. So, you know, I know I've become really sensitive to it with birds because we've started taking in some birds in the rescue and you got to be careful with candles and Teflon pans and things like that. But I never really thought about some of those things that might be impacting my cats, especially being indoor cats. Yeah. So we are um, in the springtime now. And, you know, when we think about some of the holidays that we have in spring, like, for example, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, you may want to get some flowers for your mother. Maybe some lilies, tulips, maybe. Well, that would be nice. But if your mom has a cat, you may want to consider something else for mom that's really nice because that could really hurt mom's cat. Uh, you know, things that you may not even think about, like common plants like lilies and tulips. Um, poinsettias, for, pretty common for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mistletoe. These are just plants. I'm just talking about plants right now. Um, yeah. all very toxic to cats. Um, lilies are extremely toxic to cats. Like don't even have that in the, in the room with them because the pollen breathe, breathing in the pollen that can be, uh, that can make them very, very sick. If not lead to an actual fatality, um, cleaning products, a lot of common cleaning products are very dangerous to cats. Uh, people have these essential oil diffusers that make their cats sick. For example, I was talking about some of the mistakes that I made when I first had cats. Uh, one of the things that I did that I regret is I had a one-bedroom apartment at the time, and I had in each room, I had air fresheners that were plugged into the wall. And mm -hmm. that's basically about how tall cats are. Those air fresheners are right at nose level, so they're breathing that in. But those have a bunch of essential oils that are harmful to cats. And also, cats don't like those smells in the first place. They're really, really overwhelming. They have a sense of smell that's 14 times stronger than us. So it's, it's, it's overwhelming for them. And there's no way they like that. Um, and they don't like those smells anyway. And they're toxic to them. So a lot of people may say, well, I've, I've, I've had those plugged in for a long time and they're fine. Yeah, yeah. So they don't show any signs of clinical 
they don't show any clinical signs of distress or anything like that. Um, but over the years, it can lead to asthma in cats and other breathing issues. So, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye out eye out for. There's like I, we don't have enough time, unfortunately, to go through all of them because there's so there's so much stuff that's toxic to cats. The ASPCA has uh, a list of stuff, though, like a full list of things that okay. are toxic to cats, and it's so important. Like I, if the one thing that I would say is don't ever bring anything into your home, anything, unless you know for sure that it's not toxic to your cats. Um, and it's really just a good idea to look everything up, like look it up before you bring it into your home and it possibly affects your cat because there's so much stuff, you know, you may not even imagine some of the stuff that can harm your cat. Yeah. That's, that's good to know that. Uh, so I'll make sure we put a, uh, a link to that ASPCA list up on our show notes for sure. Okay. So last but not least, your point about having fun with your cat and enjoying the experience of being a cat parent. So as the healthy cat guy, what do uh, Santo and Emo bring to your bring to your life and vice versa? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they definitely bring a lot to my life. So, um, you know, you can always say that I rescued them, which is true. But um, you can also say that they they rescued me, too. So it's kind of like having a good buddy or a couple of good friends that are always going to be with you. So we've lived um, since I've gotten them in 2013, we've lived in two U.S. states and two countries in, in, in the U.S. and Mexico. Um, they've been with me everywhere through the good and the bad that I've been through over the past decade. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it gives me purpose to be able to take care of, you know, really special animals like this. It gives me joy to see them playing with each other and having a good time. It gives me joy to uh, see them healthy and doing well. It makes me happy to know that they are... 10 years old now. It kind of seems like mm -hmm. it wasn't that long ago when I adopted them, but it was that long ago and it really was a decade. And my life really was extremely different in 2013 uh, when I compare it to my life in 2023. And they've been with me the entire way. Um, you know, if I ever have a bad day or if I ever, you know, go to work and do something real stupid, you know, I'm not going to come home. And my cats are going to be like, hey, I know about that thing you did. I'm real disappointed. No, no, they don't say things like that. Um, they don't get an attitude um, <laughs> for no reason. Or they might, but. Uh, <laughs> you, you just may not know the reason yet. I think they always have a reason. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is true. Very true. But, um, you know, they brought, they brought so much joy to my life. You know, I, I couldn't imagine uh, not having them. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a really, really great experience and I, I think they like me too. <laughs> I, I think they probably do. <laughs> well, gosh, this has been great. I really appreciate your time and all of your great advice. Like I said at the beginning, I think sometimes it's, um, it seems like it should be common sense, but then there's a lot of things that we just, I think we take for granted that we don't need to research it like the, like the toxic sub substances when we really, when we really do. So thank you so much for, for bringing that to our attention. And for those of you who want to hear more from the healthy cat guy, we're going to make sure we've got links up on our show notes to his TikTok because it's really awesome. I enjoy it a lot and uh, keep those videos coming. We really appreciate oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'll definitely keep those coming. Uh, definitely have some pretty, uh, exciting new series that are coming on online 
uh, this spring. And yeah, thanks for checking out uh, me on TikTok. I'm also on YouTube as well. And definitely appreciate you having me on the show. Okay. It's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Great. Well, thank you so much. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for listening to another episode of Starlight Pet Talk. If you haven't caught up with our past episodes, make sure you do that because every Tuesday we come out with a new one. And if you have friends, family members, colleagues who are pet lovers, make sure you let them know about us as well. And if you don't do anything else this week, give your pets a hug from us. You've been listening to the Starlight Pet Talk podcast. We're glad you joined us to gain new insight on the many loving ways to adopt and care for your pets. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And if you want more information, go to starlightpettalk.com because your pet can't talk. Be sure to join us next time for Starlight Pet Talk.